Welcome to the Building Doctor Show with Jens Johansson. And so we've got some Q&A in here. So if you entered things into the chat, I'm not even going to look at that. Ben's going to copy and paste them into the Q&A. Um, okay. On the design side, how far can you go before it encroaches on the architect's turf? Good question from Michael. Thank you. So the for codes and things like that, we we have it stamped with an architect. And uh, from the design side, um, we're dealing with the building envelope or the building's raincoat. So the waterproofing and flashings and, and coatings and things like that. Um, the whole building is much more architecture. And so egress and room size and door swing and safety and, and all those things. Uh, for our engineers stamping things, is that beam big enough? You know, we're replacing these beams because they're, uh, you know, they have water damage. And so is it the right beam? Is it the right number of bolts and nails and hardware? So our engineers will stamp that as well. So encroaching on the architect's turf, um, well, we're, we're, we're the same. So it, and that's that's a question to ask your designer. Do you have a licensed professional that will stamp plans? And um, you know that's what the building department requires, and that's what we provide. And so, um, yeah, uh, design, paint design, interior design, those are landscape design. There's landscape architects. Uh, interior design, colors, carpets, tiles, you know, fabrics, the look, the feel. Yeah, so those are all. Those are all things that, that we talk about and walk you guys through. Uh, let's see. The next question, fee proposal. Yeah, I don't understand that question. I think it's more in the chat comment. Uh, oh, there we go. Ignore that remark. The real question is, why does it take over a year to get a city building department permit for a project that's been identified as having life safety issues? Uh, and the example is some stairs, uh, crumbling. Yes. So building department, like, you know, we, we, every governmental department was bombed with the, um, COVID shutdowns and in-person stuff. And so they figured out how to take that online. Um, again, with a booming economy of construction, uh, the building departments are backed up everywhere. Um, I was doing some additional uh, continuing education training yesterday and the state of Utah is, is saying, you know what, it's just too much of a hassle for us to um, update these codes every three years. We're going to update residential codes every other cycle, every six years. It's too expensive for us to buy code books and train all our inspectors and do all this stuff. So that's a, that's a state issuing legislation that says we're dealing with this backed up, you know, building department stuff. Um, as far as shoring and life safety issues, we can get it shored right away. Um, but you know, to keep it from falling over, but as far as repairing it, they're next in line. Some of the, some of the building departments have even started an expediting permit service. Um, what's it called? Faster permits or something. You basically pay a premium to cut in front of the line. And it feels a little extortiony to me from the government, but it is what it is. And that's where each building department is a little different 
and some are some are high maintenance and others are you know uh, sure we'll give it to you over the counter it's called when you walk up to the counter and you submit your plans they see it stamped they go that's fine stamp here's your permit go so it's we we get a lot of a lot of complaints with delay um it's it's not our fault but the building department is swamped as well so and even those over the counter permits are not as common anymore as they used to be right. because they'll say it has to match in like kind you take that beam out right. it's a four by eight it has to go back by four by eight but our engineers say well but it's cheaper if you use a steel beam or if you go to this size that's more common or something to that effect and the city says nope that's a change you can't do it over counter anymore and now you need to go to the back of the line so there it is even those quick like over the counter things are not as straightforward as they should be mm -hmm. unfortunately and every city is always backed up and you know even some of the smaller jurisdictions you know 12 to 16 weeks out it's like whoa like just i feel like last month it was like here's your permit have fun <laughs> right and it and it and it's like it's like traffic on any any highway you know you predict it to be bad but you go in there and you get a permit and it's like, Hey, what just happened? So, so it, it goes like this and you just never know. And you just got to jump in and get it done. I've started uh, to, I've, and I'm, I've learned the hard way or I guess to, to start to pester the cities to say, Hey, this has been sitting for three weeks and I haven't got an email on it. Can you just like, mm -hmm. can you update me? What's going on with this? And like, Oh yeah, I'll sign that to a reviewer. It's like, yes. Had I not called or not followed up or put a little bit of pressure on them, who knows how long it would have sat for. And so I've started to learn to put on my calendar. I submitted it this date, follow, follow up two up. weeks later. What's yep. going on two weeks later? Um, some portals are better. They, they track the progress of when it's being assigned and when it's due. Some other uh, portals are very not user-friendly. So it's just, right. a, it just takes a call and they say, yep, it's good to go. And the nicer I am, they tend to be nice back. So right. um, and even though I'm, might be seeing red as how long this is taking and i'm so angry about those permit fees but you know they're doing the best they can and it's it's a working relationship permit, permit fees you, you said a nasty word um the especially dealing with projects with multiple buildings the building department says wait a second that's a different building with a different address so that needs its own permit so I've got 40 buildings on a current project and the permit fees are, are $20,000. And it's like, why in the world do I have to pay that? Well, we've got 40 permits and each has a minimum fee and a minimum this and a minimum that. And so, yeah, until we can sort through some of that um, on a higher level, I mean, we, we, we walk them through this is just doing a roof this is just replacing the siding we're not building anything new so don't charge me for toilets and sinks and stuff like that but some some are sticklers and it just yeah. is what it is some jurisdictions will reduce those fees because a lot of the times when i do have to break them out into 40 separate sets the bulk of the information is the same so i can i will call them ahead of time and say here's the situation I don't want to pay you to do a full review on 40 right. of these when they're identical except for one sheet. So can we work together and have a reduction on fees mm -hmm. for, you know, the other 39? <laughs> and, and usually they're pretty, pretty amicable about that request and they will right. give us a reduction in fees. So it's just, it takes us a call. 
Yep. Yep. Okay. Next question from Linda. Will insurance be okay with a rooftop fire pit? Oh, there's lots of fires on rooftops. The, uh, <laughs> it just, it's a, it's a function of the, it's a function of the unit or the fire pit, you know, how it's enclosed, how it's, you know, all its safety ratings and that's the manufacturer. Um, yeah, a, a wide open wood fire on top of a roof, probably not, but you know, there's, there are definite fireplaces and gas, you know, in restaurants, it's the gas fire pit. It's, it's rated for its safety ratings and things like that. But in the yard examples, yeah, we've seen just wood burning things and people are sitting around, you know, kind of a campfire and, and smelling, smelling camp smoky when they're done. So, but yeah, it's something to ask your, something you're asked, you can ask your insurance company about. And Michael chimed in, fire marshal often has the final say, yep, you bet, 100%. So also something to think about is the material that the fire pit is sitting on top of. So just right. be careful, you know, lace down some non-combustible materials. We can help you with that, make some suggestions, but um, we definitely don't want you putting a charcoal grill on, you know, a roof membrane or, you know, something that can melt and then right. potentially cause leaks. Yep. So a couple of anonymous questions here. Is it hard to generate those design renderings? Yes. So how many options do we get? We, we normally, we normally put into our proposals, you know, three, two to three options and then a final. Um, if you want more, yeah, it, it, nah, they're, I don't know, are they a couple of grand per, per time? I mean, usually the final renderings is make this blue instead of red, but it's, it's, it's the building, it's the fly around, it's the, you know, kind of the 3D model, et cetera. So yeah, generate, I, generating the models and showing the different types of siding possibilities, those take a while. But like Jen said, if I want to see what is this going to look like if it's blue or pink, I can make those changes and that's a really quick change and I can regenerate the, the image and send that out relatively quickly. Um, it's the material yeah. location changes that add to the time line right. of the rendering generation. So um, it does yep. take a couple of weeks because it does take a while to build those models. Okay. Uh, next question in your experience, is it hard to get boards to agree on which design to go with? And do they tend to choose the cheapest option, even though they, even if they don't like the look as much? Ooh, first question. Um, yeah, of course. <laughs> it's hard. Everyone's got an opinion because there's always yep. someone who doesn't think their project needs to happen at all. And then there's one mm -hmm. that wants the you know, the gold-plated version. And so I try and meet in the middle and reassure them that, you know, we're selecting materials that will last longer, they'll perform better, and you won't have to take care of them as much as your potential siding. Right. You know, there's a cost and, you know, pros and cons to everything. Um, for the most part, I feel like they usually come around and ultimately if there's, you know, a you know, a really split decision. It comes down to getting the owners to vote on the two options. And then it's nobody's fault that it was selected. Everybody selected that final decision. So yep. it's, it sometimes takes a little nudging in one direction. And then there's some project, some boards are like that one, no changes go. Right. <laughs> it's great. Right. <laughs> yep. Or I, you know, my husband picked this back in 1971 and I want to stay with that. I was like, Okay, we're doing beige stucco. All right, great. But uh, do they always tend to choose the cheapest one? No, no. I don't. I don't think so. Uh, and then they they 
kind of surprise us too. It's some, sometimes they'll get focused on a very expensive element and it's like, we're telling them you, you don't have the money to do that, but it's your money. So mm, get ready, brace yourself. Here come the prices. Yeah. So. And that's the beauty of the alternates. Cause like I had one, um, we're like, we really like that stone, mm -hmm. but let's, you know, let's price out. What would it look like if it's just, or what would it come out to be if it was just fiber cement or, um, what if we, instead of on the whole first floor, what if we just put it at the entry? So there are strategic locations as to what we can do with those more expensive materials to make them an accent, but not a budget buster. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Next question. How do you approach a reskin or a resighting when building is either in a historic district or has historic designation itself? Have you worked with SHPO? Uh, I'm not sure what that acronym is. What about the challenging design review commission, such as Portland? And yes, we've worked in historic districts, both in Seattle and Portland. I'm guessing at that SHPO. Um, and you just, you got to meet with them. They usually have a standard book. They have a standard of guidelines. You can meet with them, talk to them. Um, and they can be picky like a permit department and want full review and full thoroughness, but other ones have been flexible saying, I know what you're trying to achieve. Can I use these modern materials that will last longer and be more sustainable? And they may jump on that bandwagon as well and say, yes, I like, you know, thank you for keeping the theme. That's cool. The material selection you want. Uh, but others are, nope, has to be exactly these materials and we can't even find those or they're just so expensive clear vertical grain cedar and it's like ooh, wow okay um do you have historic stuff jessica there were yeah up in washington we had a project where we wanted to use lap siding with a seven inch seven inch reveal and they came back and said you can't use that and they said Yes, I can. And they're, they had a rule book. And so what we did was went around to all the buildings around that property and measured the lap siding and said, well, you allowed it on this building and this building and this building. So can you work with us? Because this is what was bid and to go to a different size, it's X amount of dollars extra. And they said, oh, okay. Yeah, let's just go for it. It's approved. Go ahead and use it. So it's sometimes it's a conversation. There's other times where, like Jen said, nope, it says right here in this section, you cannot do this. You cannot use backlit address signs. Right. But there's no site lighting because it's on the water and there's all these rules about lights and how are the fire trucks supposed to find this building? And, and right. so that it was, you know, there's ways around it. There's ways to make it work. And I think that just having those discussions with the city, the renderings are very helpful to say, here's what we're thinking. So when I say metal siding, it, they, it might generate something in their head when in reality, I'm thinking something completely different. So those renderings are very helpful for everybody, not just the, you know, the reviewers, the contractors, the owners, they're, they're pretty crucial. Great. Okay. We've got some more questions. You guys are awesome with the questions, but I know we're pushing up on that hour limit here. So we're going to bomb through these other ones. Uh, despite a robust design, construction errors can ruin everyone's day. Yes, they can. Do you participate in contractor selection? Yes. Do you encourage owners to have third-party project managers? Us. Do you do site observations and inspections of the work? Yes. And so do we participate in contractor selection? We will bring you, you know, three. We like to keep it, you know, three for a competitive bid process, not five. 
you get what's called estimate exhaustion and they just, I, I don't have time for this. I've got a 20% chance versus a 33% chance versus a 50, 50 chance. And so we will bring good quality contractors to you that have experience in occupied remediation, that, that we know their work is good, that they have insurance for condominium work because it's a specific insurance exclusion in many uh, states or in many policies that they can't work on condos unless they pay a premium. And so we will bring you good bidders. We put it out to bid and help you decide, again, your choosing. And do they always choose the lowest one? No, not necessarily. And so, uh, but we definitely want you to have third-party inspections in Washington. That's a that's a statute, uh, and we can fill that role as as the designer. We can also inspect it and make sure the design is being put together correctly. So, next answer: Can you talk about phased work and occupied buildings? Yes, occupied remediation is all we do. We don't do any new work. So, phased work. There's a couple of different phases. Um, I would talk about, you have 10, 10 buildings, say, we're going to start with buildings one through three and do the demo. And the demo crew will move to four, five, and six while the siding crew rolls in or the window crew rolls in. And then demo, windows, siding, and the contractor can work their way around this. So not everything's torn off all at once. It doesn't look like a war zone. And then you see buildings getting put together as you go through this through this project. Another piece is another phase would be we're going to do our whatever south walls this year and north walls next year or our decks this year and roofs next year. And so phasing the work to kind of break it up into bite-sized chunks, you can do that um, in, in more of targeted fixed jobs. So uh, let's see another question. Can you talk about cost contingencies at the different phases of design? The big issue with existing is the dreaded hidden conditions. I assume there is a selective, there is selective demolition to discern scope, but it's hard to have a crystal ball. Yeah, okay. What this question is talking about is it's important to do an investigation up front so that you understand what's under that siding. Uh, is just the sheathing damaged or is the framing damaged and how much of the framing is damaged? And if the framing's damaged, I know my interior drywall is screwed to the studs. So if I'm pulling out studs, I'm also pulling out interior drywall. Or, you know, if it's just two inches of the stud, I can, I can be careful. But if it's the entire wall and now I need to move people out of that bedroom or bathroom or uh, so that's the really the important factor of doing an inspection up front. Um, inspections and contingencies and extrapolations are a common question. Obviously, this industry is based on extrapolation, meaning we can do six to 10 openings and have a good idea uh, of what's going on and set some allowances or contingencies for damage. Uh, I don't think anybody expects us to pull off 100% of your siding to verify that there's damage there or not, and then pull off the siding again. And so, but doing an investigation that's not just visual, that gets a little deeper, sees if we've got, uh, you know, water damage and whatever inside the walls. Maybe we'll find some, hey, you, you're not even, you don't even have gyp sheathing here that's now required by fire code. So when we tear this off, we have to add a layer of, some sheathing so those are really good things to do 
one more question on there from Michael. So unit costs come into play, either unit costs or allowances or percentages, assume 10% of framing damage, assume 50% framing damage, assume, uh, assume $1,500 per unit of interior repairs. Well, some units are going to require zero. Other units are required, you know, 2,000, 3,000. The hope is that it comes comes out in averages or, you know, we have enough money to do the job. And yeah, unit costs, we definitely ask hourly rates, unit costs, all that's in the bid documents. So we don't get surprised when they give us a change order for 500 bucks an hour. It's like, wait a minute, you know, we've already agreed on all the, all the unit costs. So last question, if the project is not in lawsuit, do, ever, do you ever work with the original architect or builder? Uh, yes and yes. And so 1% of the time, even if it is in lawsuit, we've had uh, the original developer or the original builder or the original architect, usually not so much the architect. The designs are pretty accurate. It's installation errors primarily. And a couple of times we've had, you know, the developer saying, look, I'm working across the street. I want a good reputation. I'm going to come in and fix my problems. Allow me to fix it. You can watch me. I'll pay your fees. You know that kind of thing, and that's part of, partly negotiated with the with the HOA. If it's not in lawsuit, do we ever work with the original? If if there's a, it just depends. If there's a problem, do we want the the company who created the problem to come back and try to fix it? Well, they had their chance to do it right in the first time, and and they kind of screwed it up. Um, some some states have a right to cure, and so you have to talk to your attorney about that. They get first shot to fix it. Uh, but, you know, we can we can walk you through that legal process as well. Uh, if the original architect wants to be helpful, a lot of times they go, uh, there's a problem. Whoops, click, you know, they hang up. But if they want to be helpful and, hey, here's the plans, here's all the CAD stuff. You don't have to recreate this. Um, yeah, let's let's partner on this and, you know, let's let's help these people. So, Great questions, folks. Good. That's all of them. Now we're getting over to the giveaways. And let's see, Ben, what do we have for giveaways? Do we have the coffee and mugs and stuff like that? We're going to ask Ben, the producer, to unmute. Yep, that's the one. <laughs> Some coffee, perfect for uh, this colder weather. Yeah. All right. J2 Brew. It's widely, uh, it's very popular. So Jessica, pick a number between one and 17 and Ben will find out what list they are on the list and get to them and we'll send that away to you as the winner. All right. Let's do 12. Number 12. Number 12 wins the box of coffee and stickers and cups and J2 swag, et cetera. Okay, so last few little announcements. Did you know we have free resources for board managers? Go to learn.j2consultants.com slash resources. And we've got 300 videos on YouTube. And be sure to check our streaming channels. That's the next slide. But don't forget, we'll be back at the end of each month. We're usually on the last Tuesday of every month, but we've got a, we've got a, a little note there saying, wait a minute, the last Tuesday of October is Halloween. Nobody wants to come to a webinar when we're getting ready to go trick-or-treating. So we're going to be doing it October 24th. It'll be the third or second to last Tuesday this next month. Yes. So, <clears throat> all right. Tune in then.
And then streaming. So classic episodes of The Building Doctor Show are now available on all major streaming platforms. So you can listen to all the old stuff. I'd encourage you to go back to listen to the very first episode and see how far we've come. It'll be comical. I am actually afraid to listen to that first episode. No, anyway. Okay. Thank you, Jessica, for joining us. Design has been wonderful. It's fun to talk about, fun to plan for. Hopefully we've given you some good insights into this and that you can take to your future planning. And if you need professional help, please reach out. Jessica, do you have any goodbye words? No, I love talking about design. So if you have any questions, always feel free to reach out to me and I can help in any way I can. All right. Thanks, everybody. See ya. See ya.